So we're going to be looking at today, Christ prophesied. And then next Sunday, we're going to be looking at Christ glorified. Everyone say Christ glorified. glorified. All right, Christ glorified. And then on Saturday, uh, the 16th, we're going to be looking at Christ magnified. Everyone say Christ magnified. All right, so Christ magnified. I'm looking forward to this series because, you know, the reality is this, is that uh, Jesus never gets old. It's like when you speak about the Lord and you share the gospel, it's like you're bringing out new gems and fresh gems every single time you speak about the Lord. I know the gospel message is something that we have grown up with. We've heard it all of our lives. Um, but the gospel message is powerful. It's Christianity, re- religiosity that gets boring. The, 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 just the, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. The, just the kind of just... You know, we know what we're talking about. Like, okay, let me, let me, let me give you an example. Uh, we talked about a couple of Sundays ago how we said that we've heard all the sermons, right? If you've been saved for over three years, you've heard all the sermons. Every single sermon, you can finish the points. You're like, oh, I heard that sermon before. I heard that sermon before. When they're not lifting up the name of Jesus because we know 10 steps to financial freedom. We've all heard that sermon, right? Uh, three ways to be a champion, we all heard that, right? You know, all these trite uh, messages, but when you lift up the name of Jesus, even though it's simple, even though it's just like really common, it's like he is glorified because he says in his word, he promises us, where I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me, and if two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst of them. I'm in the midst of them. So that's the promise we have of the Lord. So this series, we're going to be lifting him up above all because the Bible says his name is the name above all names. His name is the name above all names. So today, we're going to lift up his name. We're not going to lift up the name of our church. We're not going to lift up the name of uh, any individual. But we're going to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And let me say this. If you're lifting up his name, you'll never be the same. If we're not lifting up his name, we're going to go insane. So you and I, we want to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. So Christ prophesied. We're going to go to the book of Isaiah and chapter 61. And when you get there, say, I am there. Book of Isaiah chapter 61. Right? So, the Bible says these words to you and I. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all those who mourn. And to provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So... Lord, we thank you for your grace, and we thank you for your word, and we thank you for all that you're doing in our life. 
And we pray, Lord, that these next weeks, Lord, as we're leading up to the celebration of your resurrection, that we would be magnifying your name, we would be glorifying your name, and that, Lord, as we look at today's word, God, that you would challenge our lives and challenge our hearts, Lord, to grow more like you, to be more like you, and uh, to be disciples of you. And all this we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we pray today that you would just give us a new strength, just an anointing, God. As we honor your name, we pray right now that you would do a supernatural miracle. I know many of us are in a battle right now. I pray that right now in the battle, God, that you would give us your strength. You are the line of the tribe of Judah. You are our strength, Lord. We thank you for that. And all this we ask in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. amen. So this morning... Somebody's alarm went off. <laughs> this morning, we're looking at the story of Jesus, and we're looking at all the, the prophecy of Jesus, and how many of us in our life we know that God has just been so good. When, when we hear about him, it just does something inside of our life. And, for example, I remember when I was about nine years old, I was there with my friend there, and we were just riding our bikes, and we're sitting down in front of uh, our house there in Cicero, Illinois, and we were there, and all of a sudden this guy came, and he's with his son, and he has, he's, he's walking to each house, he's knocking on doors, and then he comes to us, and then he says, I want you to know Jesus loves you. I want you to know Jesus loves you. I've heard that message so many times, but the message was still powerful because when someone proclaims the name of Jesus, something supernatural happens inside of lives. Something supernatural takes place. The Bible says in our text that the spirit of the sovereign Lord was upon Jesus, that he was anointed and appointed to preach the good news to the poor, to bind up wounds. How many of us ever had wounds in our life that, were, that God came and God began to heal? God began to just heal all kinds of things in our life, you know, by his spirit, by his power. He began to heal those deep-seated wounds that were inside of our life. Then the Bible says that he wants to anoint us with the oil of joy. How many of us need joy in our life? That's why Jesus came. We could say, Lord, let me have your joy. And all of a sudden, that anointing of his joy is released inside of our life. I proclaim that right now by faith. Lord, release joy over hearts. Release joy over lives. Release joy over us, God, by the power and the might of your Holy Spirit. He's a supernatural working God. So we have the joy. But then the Bible also says that he gives us what? He gives us the spirit of praise, the garment of praise, this garment that you and I can wear instead of a spirit of despair. Now, when you and I are wearing something, how many of us know that when you're wearing a new shirt, you feel all happy? My wife, she took me to TJ Maxx last night. She said, I'm going to get you a shirt, and I'm wearing it today. And I was like, so blessed. Thank you, babe. Thank you. She got me a shirt. We were about to leave, and she's like, you want a shirt? And I was like, okay. Thank you, Jesus. And I was just like, okay, thank you, Lord, you know. And you feel all good when we have that new shirt on. And but how many of us know that, you know, sometimes we don't have that new shirt? Let's be honest. We have to wear that old shirt, and we're wearing it, and just like, whatever, right? You know, it's all falling apart, tattered, dilapidated, just falling apart, and we're not proud to wear that shirt. That's what a spirit of despair is like. It's like, ah. But when you come in, you know, and you're, you're ready, and you have that spirit, that spirit of praise on your life, you're walking through with your head up. 
You're walking through just, you know, excited, appointed and anointed because you know God is good. Amen. How many of you ever bought your kids some new clothes and you're just like so happy? You're like, you're just like so blessed. See, for many of us that grew up in church, how many guys remember conference? We would go get ourselves new clothes, many of us, right? We wanted to look cool at YouthCon. We wanted to look, you know, like really nice. We're like, okay, I'm going to look nice for church. I'm going to look nice for church. I'm going to look nice. And some of you, you were single at the time, so you would try to look extra nice, right? <laughs> extra nice. But you came through that place, and you're walking with your head high, and you're walking with so much confidence. Why? Because of the clothes you're wearing. And my point is this today. When you and I have a garment of praise on, you and I are walking with our head up. You and I are walking with strength. You and I are walking like, hey, I am confident. Get out of my way. I'm going to get the job. Get out of my way. I'm getting promoted. Get out of my way. You know what? There's favor dripping all over this life. Right? But you and I, it comes through Jesus. It's not through anything we've done. But the favor of God, it flows because of what Jesus did on the cross over 2,000 years ago. Now, there's a prophecy about the Lord. A prophecy about the Lord is prophesied that about Jesus. It was foretold. Now, arguably, the first prophecy about Jesus was found in the Garden of Eden, chapter 3, verse 15. So why don't we turn there, uh, book of uh, Genesis, chapter 3, and verse 15. And when you get there, say, I am there. Say, I want to see the first prophecy. Okay, we got some people there already. Okay, and if you're not there, I'll read it for you, okay? The Bible says this, and I will put uh, enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So God, he's talking to the enemy, he's talking to the serpent, he's talking to the ancient serpent, the devil, and he tells you, you know what? Christ is going to crush your head crush your head and so we see this prophecy right here that was foretold about Christ of his purpose uh, one of the purposes of Christ was to come and to destroy the works of darkness come and destroy the works of the enemy come and destroy the works of Satan now how many are excited about that how many are thankful for that because you know what we couldn't do it on our own we, could, we couldn't be victorious on our own. See, our victory rests in him. Amen. See, for example, this is the way it goes, church. Let me, let me tell you the way it goes. See, a lot of us, I hope this makes sense. Imagine you're in a fight, right? You're in a fight with the, the devil, and you're fighting the devil. You're fighting the devil, and you're fighting, you're going, oh, you know, you're trying. But you know what? You need to rest on Jesus. That means you need to say, Jesus, can you please get in the ring for me? Can you please get in the ring for me? I need you. See, see, the Bible says in the Old Testament, he's the one who fights our battles. He's the one who fights our battles. And our job is to rest in his promises. That's our job, to rest. I heard, recently heard about a church that they, they're taking naps and they're calling it worship. I said, I want to go to that church. <laughs> I, I really do. Where, where, where are you guys located? And, and when are your service times? And, but my, my thing I want to say to us, some of us, we're in the ring and we're swinging. And, we're, and, and we need to let Jesus say, Jesus, I trust you that you're going to take care of this battle. I trust you that you're going to see me through. And I trust that you're going to crush the serpent's head in my life. 
And that's what God does for us. That's what Jesus did. It was prophesied. The very first prophecy is that he's going to crush the devil's head. How many are thankful that he did that for us? He did that for us. Amen. And then the Bible says another thing about the Lord, another prophecy foretold about the Lord, book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. While we turn there, when you get there, say amen. Book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. How many love Jesus today? For you that are watching online, how many love the Lord? For those that are watching online, please let us know in the comments. Give us a big praise emoji right there. We're so blessed that you're tuning in and, and just being part of church with us today. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter 7, in verse 14, it says this to you and I. It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. 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 And Emmanuel is is a word that we know is translated God with us, God with us, and, and that's encouraging for me because I know whatever we're going through today, God's with us. God is with us, and he gave a sign through the virgin birth, through Mary, praise the Lord, that Christ came. This was foretold 600 years before it happened, 600 years before it happened, Christ, uh, the Lord had prophesied that Christ was going to come through a virgin, Mary. This was 600 years before prophesied. I have trouble planning out my next week. God is prophesying things 600 years before. 600 years before he sees. See, God is so powerful. His understanding is beyond our comprehension. Okay, now let's go to uh, verse nine, uh, chapter 9 and verse 6. Look, what, look at another prophecy. Another time. 600 years. Everyone say 600 years. The Bible says this in verse 6. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Another time we see that he's prophesied about 600 years before through Isaiah. I love that verse. It says, the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called a wonderful counselor. That's the God that we serve. He's wonderful. He gives counsel to us. Amen. Counsel to our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Uh, the Bible says the everlasting Father. We see Christ foretold through prophecy 600 years before. Now, the second point I want to talk about is against the odds. Everyone say against the odds. So we know we serve a supernatural God. We know that God is a supernatural working God. We know that through experience. We know that through uh, the word of God that he's a supernatural working God. Uh, but you think about the odds of prophecy. Now, they say that there's 400 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. Right around 400 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, uh, 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 when you think about that, that's, that's pretty, pretty, really, really good. But they say if only eight of those prophecies came to pass, only eight of them came to pass, so eight prophecies came to pass, that the odds of that happening in one man's life are up into the point of not a trillion, one in a trillion, not in one in a billion, not one in a million, uh, it's one in an, uh, a quintillion. Quintillion. 
that's the odds of a prophecy uh, being fulfilled in one man's life. I'm sorry, eight prophecies being fulfilled in one man's life, okay? That's the odds of it, okay? The odds are really against. So it was against the odds. So Lee Strobel, he was an atheist, and he was he, uh, written, for, I believe, for the Chicago Sun-Times. He was this writer. His wife got saved. He hated it. He was so angry, and he was an atheist. He's like, I'm going to disprove that the Lord exists. Finally, he's fighting against God, fighting against God. And then he gives his life to the Lord. Then he became a pastor. And then God just started using his life in a powerful way. And so he started looking at this, this, this ratio, and he said, you know what? The odds of this, of eight prophecies being fulfilled, he said, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine that I had a little one-and-a-half cube white tile. And I got this one-and-a-half cube white tile, and I put it across the whole earth, the whole vast earth, which is about 19 million square feet, okay? Right? That's the surface area of the earth. 19 million, so put it across the whole earth, and he said, imagine I got one of those little tiles, and I put a red mark right behind that one tile, just one, and I put it down on the floor. He's all, imagine that you get to wander a whole lifetime, and you're wandering across all these little white tiles, seven continents, you're just walking and wandering, ah, ah, wow, my life, my life, oh, I want to go this way now. And then finally you come to a point where like, I just want to pick up a tile today. And you're like, let me see, which one do I want to pick up? And maybe let's say like you're in India, and you're like, you know what, forget that. I'm going to go to California and go pick one up. And you go, all, wander all the way to California, and then you go and say, okay, let me pick it up. And then you pick up a tile, and you lift it up, and you turn around, and behind it, it's red. It was that one tile that was marked red. He says, those are the odds of eight prophecies being fulfilled in one man's life. Those are the odds. So when Christ was prophesied about, it was against the odds for what to take place, take place. And so that's the God that we serve. So there's not only eight prophecies, there's 400 prophecies that were fulfilled by the Lord hundreds of years. Earlier, these prophecies were given to men that God spoke through. And all of a sudden, in the New Testament, they begin to come to pass. They begin to come to pass. Let me give you one of them. Uh, that the Messiah was going to come from the tribe of Judah. That was one of them. It was given in the book of uh, Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. It was documented 1,505 1, years before that he was going to come from the tribe of Judah. Imagine that, like saying, you know what? From the tribe of, let's just say your last name, we'll put your last name there. Hey, from the tribe of, you know, the Estrada family. In 2,000 years, you're going to have a, a guy named Stephen who is going to be the president of the United States. And then it comes back, and then it comes to pass. What are the odds of that? It's like supernatural. Got it? Okay, so these are supernatural. Another thing that... Uh, we see right here another prophecy about the Messiah is that he would be descended of King David. It was prophesied about in the book of uh, Psalms, chapter 132, verse 11. This was documented 645 years before. 645 years before, and then it took place. So the point is this, is that Christ fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament against all odds. He is the Messiah. He is the King. He is the Lord of Lords, and the reason why we can say that is because of what he did, who he did. 
There's many tests that we have to bring into the equation, but one of the tests is the test of time. The test of time that even today, people are still giving their life over to him and their lives are being transformed by the power of his Holy Spirit. That's a great, great testament to the power of the Lord. So today, thinking about uh, what Christ has done in my life, I know, man, he's real. I, I cannot deny his power in my life. I cannot deny, you know, his goodness in my life. I cannot deny how great he's been inside of my life. The final point today is this, is prophecy fulfilled. As the worship team makes their way up here, you know what I was thinking today? I was thinking, you know, we get out of church so early and we have such a vast day ahead of us. And I was thinking, you know what? It would be cool to do, you know, also is for some of us, maybe God wants us to go to the hospital and visit somebody today. Maybe God wants us just to give somebody a call and just to say, hey, I want to encourage you. But today, you know, although we're getting done really early, let's continue along the vein of sharing the gospel, sharing the good news. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, I'm sorry, the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 18. The Bible says these words to you and I. I, I. I just love this text right here. So imagine Jesus, he's in the synagogue, he's there, and he's like, I'm going to, he goes and I'm going to take the scroll. He goes, he takes the Bible, the, the Torah, it was a scroll that was written up that they would let people read throughout, throughout the service and Jesus he got it and up until this time when people would read it it was just like it was just it was just dead it seemed like it was dead because what was those who were reading it they weren't they weren't in line with it but all of a sudden the one who wrote it came to read it and when someone writes a book when they read that book it's different Bible says this, it says, verse 16, it says this, he went to Nazareth and he, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue and was, as is, was his custom, he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, mind you, this is 600 years, written 600 years before, 600 years before, was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant. He rolled it up, he gave it back to the attendant. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began to say, he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. No one had ever done that before. He got up and said, you know what? I'm the one. Says, it's fulfilled today. And how many are thankful that Jesus came and he did what he said he was going to do? We give him glory for that. And these next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at Christ prophesied today, but we're going to be looking at him glorify 
and then him magnify. But this week, I challenge you to glorify him. I challenge you to magnify him. These next couple of weeks, as we lead up to this great day, let's get closer to him. Let's spend more time with him. Let's be in tune with him. He's so good.